Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, a special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm a, a YouTuber now. Not that you'd really know it from my subscriber list, though I do appreciate every single one of you who have subscribed so far, or from my viewing stats. But I am officially a YouTuber uh, over at Deep Cut Videos. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about Sister Street Fighter, yeah. uh, today's Arrow video film. Dan, tell us the plot <laughs> in quotation marks uh, of Sister Street Fighter. So we start with a, I don't know if this was something they were already doing in Japan, but they start with a very Shaw Brothers-esque montage. Very. Which I appreciate. Yes, always. Uh, I also really liked the fact, I don't think I'd ever, I, I've not seen this for a very, very long time. Um, I don't think I'd ever realised that the split screen montage mm. they were doing at the beginning was done with just a load of angled mirrors mm. rather than actually being split screen. Yeah. So that's cool. That is cool. Yeah, right. So Etsuko Shiomi, uh, her brother's gone missing. He worked for the police. Yeah. Yeah. And so the police are like, your unqualified sister is the best person to find you. Yeah. <laughs> you've gone. Because uh, she's tasty with some cakes. Oh, yeah. Um. And that's kind of it. That's it. That's the whole story. Yeah. Uh, she gets embroiled uh, in the crime syndicate that have uh, that have got her brother. Yeah. And she kicks them a lot. That's it. And, you know, it, it's not a long film, so there's not a, a lot of time to fit that plot into. Uh, it, it, extensive plot. It's uh, an hour and 25 minutes, so it's kind of like a, a perfect pop song. I do like my films at 90 minutes or under, generally. Or um, three hours. Or, or three to four hours. <laughs> three and a half hours. If you're Russian, you can do that. Um, or Japanese, actually. Jap- yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems to be... Short and sweet or long and involved. That's it. And so um, this one is definitely short and sweet. We're not going to go into spoilers on this one, I don't think, are no, we? No, I think it's this is one that's probably been slightly less seen. Um, uh, don't feel that because we're talking about how scant the plot is that we're in any way throwing shade on this. It no. is. It's a it's a delight of a film. Yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. Like I say, we're not going into spoilers, but... I do want to highlight the fact it contains one of the most insane midpoints ever. Um, I won't say why, but when you get to roughly halfway through the film, something happens that is quite mad. And yeah, no, you know, so this was released in 1974, um, which kind of makes the Captain Marvel marketing angle even more slightly ridiculous (laughs) than it already is. Yes. Wow, a a lady fights people. Imagine that. Um, Well... Like, so I was one of the angles I sort of came at this from was thinking about women in action cinema. Mm. And, like, yeah, obviously there have. There have been women more in China than in Japan. Although we had a, a few female samurai movies, and obviously the Pinky Violence stuff. Yeah, exactly. Was around at that point, but it was still female Yakuza tale was the year before yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and and you talk about China. You had Come Drink with Me in 1966, which is, amazing. Which is an incredible film and may pop up in my recommendations. Then <laughs> um, I'm very glad that I chose at the last minute to swap it out for something else. Hooray! I'm relieved <laughs> about that. I was trying to get it in early just in case you had <laughs> it was, chosen it. It was, it was very sh- like on the short list. It was yeah, it's it's an amazing film, but yeah, uh, it, it, this is part uh, Sister Street Fighter is kind of part of a tradition of of women um, yeah. beating people up in films, and and it's a, a good example. Yeah, it's it is really good. It's the thing is like this not is, a perfect example. No, 
No, no, no. But but because so you know, our, our lead isn't in it for as much as perhaps you'd expect from the title. No, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's um like yeah. So the, the the martial arts thing as a as a big. So this is almost exactly. I think it's like eleven years. 12, 13 years after the Shaw Brothers kind of exploded onto the scene in China, mm-hmm. martial arts were becoming a big international thing again. Mm. Um, Japanese, um, like, the, the Japanese films that one might from a distance associate with that genre were always much more staid. Mm-hmm. Like, even stuff like Lady Snowblood and uh, Fiona Yakuza Tale, they've got those amazing moments in them, but they're also a lot more, like, restrained and narrative mm. in between those moments. Like... The structure of a Shaw Brothers movie is demonstration of fight on a in a studio. You know, after a few years, initially it was some cartoons, like some drawings, but then later it was here are some cool moves in a black studio, and then it was fight, tiny bit of plot, fight, 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 tiny bit of plot, fight, plot, fight, done. We're out and, and literally done. Like if you haven't seen a Shaw Brothers film, when it ends, it ends. It's done. Get it's, out. Yeah, there's boom. No, literally no... the last line. There's no you know nice shot of leaves in the air or, or whatever it is. Someone says a thing, another Shaw Brothers movie, literally that's what it says, comes up uh, and then, like it's one credit card. Yeah. It credits, card of credits. It, it's very satisfying. But yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying completely and, and I love Shaw Brothers v- very much and I think um, the cinematography can be amazing in those films but it is all a bit template and, and the Toei stuff is a bit more dynamic, a yeah. bit more um, kind of in terms of the filmmaking itself, a bit more handheld. There's a lot of unmotivated Dutch angles, <laughs> which yeah. gives it an energy, and it all just feels a yeah, bit I think more. Like the second shot in this film is super <laughs> Dutch. Yeah. Like it's like 45 degrees. This is it for, for no real reason uh, at all, other than to sort of give it a bit of an uh, energy and kind of edge. And uh, yeah, it just all feels a bit more like it fits within that grindhouse, you know. Even though Shaw Brothers are a big influence on on that side of, of things as well, but, but this, this it just feel feels like a bit it's, more. It's pre like Shaw Brothers didn't really get into this kind of thing until they started having to share the spotlight with Golden Harvest. Yeah, and then they got a little bit more like wacky and crazy. Totally, and that's when Executioners from Shaolin and that kind of stuff. Yeah, is that what I mean? Executioners yeah, from Shaolin. Yeah, yeah. When that when that kind of thing started getting made, and they were a bit more out there and a bit more mad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Japan had these two very different like veins of action cinema they had the austere quite bloody stuff that had these amazing moments of violence but was quite character driven and then they did have this seam of sort of exploitation cinema and that often had female leads or was Mm. about female characters I mean this was the same year as Zero Woman Red Handcuffs Mm -hmm. but you go back to things like the delinquent girl Bosworth has to confess even um, Christina Lindbergh you know they're pulling in international characters Lindbergh came over and co-starred with Ryuka Ike in Sex and Fury it's another great pinky violence one Mm. so that you know there were a lot of these kind of things around so it wasn't I mean I guess it was kind of novelty in that it was because it was a spin-off of the Street Fighter the the Sony Chiba movie. Yeah, which was the same year, wasn't it? Um, well, so, yeah, I've been... There seem to be very wrong dates on IMDb yeah. for a lot of these, because I think IMDb gets the US release dates a lot That's of the time, right. rather yes, than yes, the year yes, they yes. were made, 
which I'll come back to when we get into recommendations, because there was a movie I wanted to recommend because it was made and released before this, and I did some double-checking on IMDb, and IMDb had it being released two years after this. This, like, this is it. Fuck! Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's hard to track Sonny Chiba because he made so many films. Like, Absolutely. He made more films a year than Samuel L. Jackson, which is uh, something to be impressed <laughs> by, to take it back to Captain Marvel. By the way... I don't want to come across as one of, you know, those internet people when I say, oh, Captain Marvel wasn't the first one to to do it. Um, I, I guess I just want to tie it into something kind of modern and um, and sort of reflect that this kind of strain uh, of uh, female-led action was just such a, a big thing in the East. And, you know, it's something that people might not necessarily be as aware of, though... If you're listening to this, you yeah, probably you know. Probably are. <laughs> well, that's but, it. Yeah. I think there's a there's a rich vein of these things out there, and this is a really fun one. It's not as like uncomfortable and cringy as some of them. Like yeah. uh, I mentioned, delinquent girl boss. Yeah, that's got some stuff in it that you really need to know your fellow film watchers before suggesting a group watch of that film. There's some uncomfortable stuff in it. Have, have, have you made that mistake, Dan? It hasn't Dan. aged well. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I watched it with people who I might not have put it on for if I had known what yeah. was coming. Uh, is that a frequent event with you, Dan? Well, you know you know me, Sam. <laughs> I, you know, as much as I like... It, like I'm, The two things I love in film are introducing someone to a film that they've not seen, that I know and love, that I know they will love. And that's, that's kind of why we started this podcast. That's exactly why we do this. But then also, I try and watch new films. I try not to rewatch stuff unless there's a reason for it. Like, mm. I don't tend to go I'm back to a movie um, unless I'm either doing a bit of research or I'm showing it to someone. Mm. Like, I don't tend to put on movies just to watch if I've already seen them. Mm. Just because... Despite all the letters I have written, they won't put a moratorium on making films until I've caught up. So I know it's getting it's, really it hard. Is pretty <laughs> it's tricky. Away from me. I've literally got thousands of films in my own collection yeah. that I haven't watched yet, it's let ridiculous. alone all the ones that they absolutely ridiculous. And on for some releasing. reason, I keep on fucking buying them. <laughs> I know exactly. It's almost like an addiction. Um, um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, and and we kind of talked about the influence a little bit and um there's another significant influence i think on something that we both potentially love i, I assume you love i'm interested this. to find out what we're talking about it's a little creation by capcom oh yeah street fighter 2 yes I feel like there's a lot of street fighter 2 in this movie especially in that amazing scene with all the fighters by the pool so yeah that's an interesting thing capcom Japanese games company. Yes. Street Fighter, Japanese franchise. Yes. Was it an official adaptation? Like, is it a tie-in? Or were they just like, fuck you, we're using this title? I, I think they were, fuck you, we're using this <laughs> title, because um, isn't the, the first film's The Street Fighter? Yeah. And they were just Street Fighter. And I think... And you can't copyright a title. You can trademark it, but... And I think that The Street Fighter was The Street Fighter, whereas the game Street Fighter is Street Fighter. It's all one word, isn't it? Is that right? Am I, am I making that up? Yeah, Street Fighter is Street Fighter. Yeah, it doesn't have a the. The game doesn't have a the. Yeah, or a gap between Street and Fighter. Is that right? Oh, I see what I, you I mean. I could be I, making that up. I didn't get up. what you were doing with the speed, the <laughs> variable speed. Of... I, I could be making that up, but, but all I do know is that um, the, the main boss guy in Sister Street Fighter has Vega's weapon. And yeah, yeah that, which is great. Which when is amazing. When he just amazing. fucking pulls out, it's yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great moment. Oh, oh, we said we weren't doing spoilers, but well, uh, that's I very minor. It's very there's minor. A, there's a sort of Kruger claw in it, and it's great. But that, <laughs> but that's from... 
Enter the Dragon. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. like, you know, they all feed back into each other and they're all stealing from each other. Yeah, but totally. I bet you anything now, if you franch- if you licensed and tried to make a movie, to try to reboot this franchise in America, mm. Capcom would sue you so fast your head would spin. Probably. But yeah, that one that one sequence where like they cut from the groups of fighters to groups of fighters yeah. and they're all kind of dressed differently. They've all got their own thing. Yeah, it just really felt like the game to me. But um, we mentioned Sonny Chiba. Um, he he sort of is in support in this film, and some critics saw it as a way to ease fans into the you know the uncanny feeling of having a, a female action lead. But like we said, yeah, that's bollocks yeah like, it's ridiculous like Reiko Ike was famous enough that she was releasing albums off the back of her mm. film roles and this film was so hugely successful that um, they started work on a sequel two weeks after the release yeah um, so yeah I mean obviously it also helps that they spent tuppence on everything well yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's always mo- the way you can, you can get the gears rolling fast yeah if you, uh, gears turning fast <laughs> Yeah, it, it's not quite to the shore level where basically everything was shot on the same set. Well, but that's because the yeah, but that's because the Shaw brothers just owned <laughs> the the the, the Shaw studio. You know yeah, I mean? and every now and then they'd build a new thing, and then that would be in every movie for a bit. Oh, we've got a new bridge. Time to do eight bridge movies. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I love those films so much, and I hope, uh, dear sweet Arrowhead, uh, if you haven't sought out uh, the Shaw brothers movies as yet. Um, I know H8 Films have done a whole kind of Blu-ray line, but also in the underground um, uh, alleyways and, and, and tunnels of Amazon, if you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, they have so many Shaw Brothers movies uh, that you can hunt out. They don't put them on the main page for some reason, but um, they are by there. Name. Can, you, yeah, can exactly. you search Shaw Brothers and do they come up? Or? I don't know. I've never tried. I've, I've always gone by the film quality, I'm though. in the mood for. Yeah, but ish. Yeah, but but that's also part of the charm for me. Like I actually find it quite hard to watch those '88 films Blu-rays because I've only ever seen them in slightly yeah. ropey quality. So it actually loses some of the charm seeing it completely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was a very, like... But, uh, I mean, it's a pretty mixed bag as far as quality goes. Some of them look pretty shitty. Yeah, but I like them looking shitty because that's kind of how I grew up watching them. So, um, yeah, the kind of 88 films Blu-rays, as much as I appreciate them putting them out into the world, and certainly I treasure my One-Armed Swordsman Blu-ray very much, but... I do prefer them looking a bit shit. It's interesting. There's, as many of you know, because I bang on about it, I have a, a Z Eagle. So I've oh, got yeah. All the, yeah, all, yeah. The, all the movies. Um, when I was still searching for one, before I managed to track one down, you know, there's a lot of forums where people talk about them. And one of the regular conversations was people complaining that it didn't have the dubs. Right. <laughs> like they're being like, they're, oh, they're all in Cantonese. Yeah. <laughs> Watch them. And Mandarin, they do have dubs, just not in your language. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, like because a lot of people's emotional connection to these films is how they watched them when they were teenagers, mm. when they were either on late night TV mm. or like you know VHSs or whatever that they'd track down. And so sometimes it is a bit weird to see them all crisp and subtitled. Yeah, yeah. I, I, obviously, I don't mind the subtitled element so much. No, of course, it adds it adds enjoyment. But um, yeah, it is. It's just strange to see it so crisp it's just yeah but i do think weird. when you're watching it's almost it, like watching colorized night of the living dead or something that like, was so 
appallingly badly colorized. It was. <laughs> yeah. but, but, it yeah. was nice of them to let a child do it. I think the thing is that when you watch something like One on Swordsman, One on Swordsman is a genuinely great film mm. and is good and enjoyable. It's stunning. But then there are other films, some later Shaw Brothers, and I would say that Sister Street Fighter slightly slips into this category mm. where they're really, really fun, but it's not because they're good. Mm. they're weird or they're mad or they're like over the top and campy but they're not necessarily great films yeah but they're correct. really fun and those films often benefit from a slightly grimy VHS feel mm. or like a grindhouse thing like I've I've wondered if it would be possible for some films to include a shitty old VHS print as an extra feature ooh arrow right? Like that would be a lovely thing. Like you could have mm. the grindhouse experience, and I'm not saying stick a load of in, like uh, like hypnotic bullshit fe- filters over it. No, I'm saying just get a shitty old. It could be cut. It could be dubbed like an old print mm. of the great movie that we're watching. Because if it's a cult movie, sometimes that's kind of the warm hug version of that film. Totally, hundred um, percent. Before we move back to Sister Street Fighter and carry on with what we're talking about, um, I just wanted to say, and I thought it was official. And I still think it might be official. It says it's official, but it might just be some guy. But uh, if you go to shawbrothersuniverse.com, mm-hmm. which says it's the official home of the Shaw Brothers universe, but God knows what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could put that in my Twitter bio description, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it does have uh, like reviews and news from the Shaw Brothers like catalogue, what's coming up. Mm-hmm. But also it has links to all of them, either on Amazon or iTunes, all the ones that are legit- legitimately available. Cool. There are links to there. And th- there are like hundreds of links there. Great. So there's a lot of stuff you can dig through. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. There's a a way you can get hold of some of those films properly and legitimately, but still, yeah. Lovely. The weirdest stuff. Welcome to the Shaw Brothers cast, (laughs) which was our dream all along. Oh my God, I was going to introduce myself as a piss scientist. Oh, too late. Next, uh, Ringu. uh, Ringu. For Ring, not Ringu. Ringu is a word that does not exist. We can't call it Ringu. It's just Ring. And that's what we're doing next time. Yeah, we're doing that next time. I've got a whole bit Ooh, bit of a stand-up <laughs> routine. I love it. Um, I, I think we can probably wrap it up on Sister Street Fighter there, unless you have any kind of burning um, points to make. Yeah, no. I, it's I, just fun. I really like it. Good soundtrack. Great fun. I like how they... Cool locations. Uh, yeah, I like how they were really trying to convince us that Sonny Chiba was uh, like a as good a martial artist as all of the like really high-end... Chinese martial artists mm. in the marketing. That was a that was a common thread throughout his films. Mm. They'd be like, "Yeah, he's the best. Like he's the best martial artist. He's not the best martial artist, but, but you do put in insert shots of him karate chopping off people's arms." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is amazing martial artism. Um, but yeah, no, he's cool as fuck. So. Oh, he's, yeah, that's it. He's very fucking cool. Yeah, and just so charismatic, and yeah, so great on camera, and good hair. And good hair, and I do feel like we should actually, you know, mention Etsuko Shiomi because we've said the words Sonny Chiba. Oh my God, maybe this is why they marketed it in in this way. You think? (laughs) (laughs) I did mention, I think I said her name before I said Sonny Chiba. You did, okay. So I feel like she's, yeah, top billing. Yeah, top billing (laughs) on this podcast. But yeah, Yeah, she's a street fighter, she's great. And in fact, yeah, there are kind of. Uh, good extras on the disc and yeah some uh, nice archival stuff Sonny Chiba I'm going to say his name again but it's in reference to her he does a great interview and there's an amazing anecdote where he talks about the audition process (laughs) and um, yeah why why Shiomi was initially rejected 
um, and why he kind of wanted her to, to come back into the fold. So, um, yeah, that, that's a cool little interview. Um, there's a, a nice one with the writer uh, Masahiro Kikfuda, who talks about his career and the appeal of writing strong women. Um, yeah, interview the director and so on. And obviously this is uh, the first film in a collection. We may get to the other films in the collection because they do get increasingly more fun. Um, <laughs> and, and more wild. And more weird. Um, so yeah, we, we'll possibly do, uh, like we did with Hellraiser, other ones in this collection at, at some point. But do you, does for now, have plans to release them individually as well, do you know? I don't know, actually. Um, it's, a, it's a nice set. Yeah, it's a really nice set. The, 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 and, and for all we were saying about it being nice to watch crappy old prints, they've done a really good job of making it look great. Yeah, and, and that's it, yeah. Um, perhaps because I don't have that kind of nostalgic connection to this film, I didn't really notice it or care. It's only with the shores that yeah. really, it really bothers me. But um, recommendations, Dan, why don't you go first? So I... I'm back... It's one of those ones where I couldn't think of anything for ages and then suddenly I had a million suggestions... Mm. But the first one that I kind of settled on is a 2008 uh, martial arts film called Chocolate. Uh, do you remember Chocolate? Yes, I do, yeah, yeah. So it's directed by Pracha Pinkiao. I'm almost certainly massacring that name, and I apologise greatly. You will probably know him best from Ongbak, which mm-hmm. was the film that propelled him into the spotlight. Chocolate is uh, a film, the first film he directed, to my knowledge, with a female lead. And it is a it's it's an absolutely fantastic showpiece of of technical martial arts. It's a it's a little light on plot. Uh, it's got some silly narrative elements to it, but it's ultimately a very enjoyable film. But it's a fantastic showpiece film. It's uh, it's one of those ones where it's like it's like ballet for people that like watching people get punched in the face. Mm. there you go yeah but it's but it's also one of the ones that people saw maybe slightly less over here yeah no that's a fantastic recommendation and uh we've kind of already discussed my first one come drink with me from 1966 it's a Shaw brothers movie uh it's a kidnapping plot but it's kind of an excuse for stringing together some truly truly incredible fights it's got some fun gadget fighting in it as it well, really which I love. yeah it that yeah it really does yeah, I think that's all I'm going to say on it because you should just and go and watch it. Can I say it. one little bit about it? It's the, it's the opening fight. It's okay, good, good, good. No, no, yeah, nothing yeah. too deep. So basically, there's this bit uh, in the opening fight. Can I a little bit of detail about the opening fight? Yeah, go on. There's a there's a like a sort of a, a per, it's not a parade or a procession. It's not as like there's just a bunch of people going to a place and they have with them a palanquin or like a sedan chair with a with a boss man in it. And, uh, and someone stops them and says, hey, I've got a note for you. It's a petition for you to release our boss. And, uh, and they deliver the petition. And um, he <laughs> then proceeds to just fuck everyone up. And there's a moment when he's sort of like, he's done his first bit of fucking up. He's shot someone over his shoulder with a, like a dart gun stick that he's got. Um, and then he, he fucks off and watches his team murder everybody uh, from behind a fan. But as he does so, he's kind of thrown a sword by someone else who then throws their other sword to their other hand. And I had to watch that like six times to work out what the bloody hell had happened and where these swords had come from. It's such a wonderful little bit of choreography just tucked in. It, it is an amazing, uh, amazing moment. And you did go into slightly more detail than I was expecting Sorry. in the setting up of that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. I, I mean, that will whet your appetite, won't Hopefully. it, um, dear sweet arrowhead? 
please do go and watch Come Drink With Me from 1966. Dan, what have you got next? Uh, my next recommendation is a... Uh, you know what? No, I'm just going to recommend uh, Bodyguard Chiba, uh, also co- known as Karate Kiba, or just The Bodyguard, which was made in 1973, uh, so the year before Sister Street Fighter, but is listed on IMDb as, I think, being like 1977 or something like that, like down the line. It also stars Atsuka Shiomi and Sunny Chiba. Uh, it is... The people that know it know it for a couple of different things. It had quite a famous advertising campaign when it was released in the States, which ends with the chant, Viva Chiba. Mm. Viva Chiba, a lot, which is mad. Uh, it has a tagline which directly compares him to and says he is better than both Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> Who isn't? And it also has the... That, that is a joke, by the way. <laughs> I really need to make that clear. And it also has in it the speech, the, the Bible verse speech that Tarantino borrowed for... Mm, of course, um, yeah, 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 for Pulp Fiction. Uh, for Pulp Fiction. But in it, because Sonny Chiba's sort of playing himself mm. as a vigilante called Chiba who comes back from New York or whatever, and, uh, and it, oh God, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'm pretty sure that at the end of it, instead he's saying, and you shall know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee, he says, and you shall know my name is Sonny Chiba. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm almost certain that's true. Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah, incredible. My next recommendation is just a, a solidly shit film, um, <laughs> just wretched. But every now and then, people do ask us to recommend our favourite bad films, and for some reason, I feel that uh, Undefeatable from 1993 would work in a, a decent double bill with Sister Street Fighter. It, it's basically. Well, it's a Cynthia Rothrock film. Can't go wrong. Uh, and, um, you know... <laughs> you can go so wrong. You, you can go so very wrong, and, and this film does uh, many, many times, but just in the most fun way ever. And it does involve sisters. It's uh, Cynthia Rothrock plays Christy Jones, who, um, and this is the IMDb description, she avenges her sister's death at the hands of a crazed martial arts rapist. So, yeah, it's not... It's not entirely fun. Not tasteful. Not tasteful, that's the word. Because it is fun, because it's so unbelievably shit in the most entertaining way possible. Is this the one, skirting spoilers, is this the one with the sort of hooky ending? Yes. (laughs) It has one of the best end fights in cinema history. It's incredible. And just to kind of let you know what kind of a, a film this is, Uh, A lot, the majority of the cast couldn't remember the script. Um, So lines were sellotaped to Cynthia Rothrock's forehead. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, one of the main actresses wasn't paid uh, at all. So she left the production before filming had finished. And so, yeah, there's a couple of scenes where Cynthia is basically talking to no one and they haven't even bothered with a stand-in. So, yeah, it does have to be seen to be believed. But if you like schlocky, bad, you know... It's a great recommendation. That's uh, undefeatable. So um, there we go. Yeah, oh, my God. I I wouldn't have been able to name it if you had said, what's the film with that ending? Yes. But I love it. Yes. And, yes, oh, absolutely fantastic. I think it might be the first Rothrock film I ever saw. I think me too, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's the one people show each other. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's awful. Right, um, Dan, what have you been watching in the past couple of weeks? Uh, what have I watched? Uh, so uh, I've just come back from Portugal. 
mm-hmm. where we were filming The Colour Out of Space. Uh, Jen, my wife, came out and joined us for the last day. Nice. And then she and I actually managed to get a couple of days looking around Sintra there, which is unbelievably beautiful. Uh, we made the mistake of walking uh, up to <laughs> a castle to visit it uh, rather than getting a cab because Apple Maps said it was 15 minutes. <laughs> Apple oh, Maps man. doesn't understand what up is. Oh, my, God. I checked my um, steps on my phone when I got mm. to the top, and it said I'd done like 97 floors. Holy <laughs> Lord. Straight the fuck up. So we had had plans for the afternoon. They went right out the window. Mm. So we went back, had a bit of wine, uh, and watched The uh, Legend of Blood Castle. Uh, nice. By Jorge Grau, 1973. It felt appropriate. We've mm. just been to a load of beautiful castles. Mm. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, uh, Jorge Grau. Uh, it was on my list to rewatch because I'm doing the uh, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue for Evolution of Horror. And uh, I'm beefing up on some bits and bobs for that. Um, haven't seen it in a long time. I'd forgotten how, like, these are the nuts and bolts of how you try a vampire. <laughs> it is. Uh, there's a fantastic bit where they uh, they take a while burning a vampire's severed head. Um, mm. And it's one of my favourite head burnings. Nice. Or, like, you know, burnings I've seen in a film. Um, but, yeah, it's really good. It's got that lovely sort of Vaseline lens, like, sort of feel. Um, but it was made in the midst of fascist Spain. It's mm. great. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's a sort of um, Bathory film. Nice. It's about yeah, uh, yeah. a woman that sub-genre. getting some blood to get her skin nice. <laughs> yeah, man. They were really into that story in the 70s, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, that gets done a lot. Yeah. Nice recommendation. My first one from the past couple of weeks is Trouble in Paradise from 1932. Um, now, this is a comedy about two thieves who fall in love, but it has a script that's just incredibly witty. Um, it's kind of Billy Wilder levels of brilliant writing, and it's got very fast-paced delivery, which basically means that when you're laughing at one one-liner, uh, you've kind of missed two and have to kind of catch up, and then you're laughing at those. And it's just a really invigorating experience watching this film. It's very intelligent, very sharp. And, um, yeah, it's just great, basically. Um, Trouble in Paradise from 1932. There's a nice DVD. I think it's Eureka um, in the UK. Uh, it's a really lovely DVD, actually. No Blu-ray yet, but hopefully someone will get on that at some point um, because it is a masterpiece. You see, they've just announced a 4K remaster of The Man Who Laughs. Yeah, no, James. Oh, yeah. um, James I shared that. I got a text from James. <laughs> <laughs> James Swanton, my actor, leader of Frankenstein's Creature, which, dear sweet Arrowhead, you'll be pleased to hear, sold out in the pre-release stage, so you will never hear me talking about it again. Because <laughs> you can't buy it. Because <laughs> you can't buy it. No, I might talk about it Is it, it going again. to be a VOD? Uh, there's a chance, and, nice. and they're going to talk to... Um, uh, distributors in different countries um, it, it can so who knows what the next stage in the journey is going to be but for now um, thank you to everyone who bought one I'm very proud of the film we've had some lovely responses rolling yeah. in so um, thank you very much right Dan what is your next recommendation so my next recommendation is one that uh, I almost snuck in as a contextual recommendation but then because I've watched it in the last couple of weeks I thought well I'll, I'll just recommend it as one I've watched in the last couple of weeks and skirt around the rules that way uh, it's Night of Nights from 1966 uh, it's a Sit and Shaw Brothers movie uh, it's awesome it starts with uh, a bunch of people going into a temple the Zhang Qing temple I think Zhao Qing temple uh, to investigate it because there's been uh, rumours about ne'er-do-well uh, 
ne'er do uh, bad goings on mm. bad shit's gone down mm-hmm. uh, and they all get killed with traps and murder and it's brilliant and then like the people who run this temple are the most like brazen baddies it, it's insane and uh, they, they're planning on like full on building collapses to execute like a single person they're like Oh yeah, they're 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 worried they're going to have their stipend taken away. They're worried they're not they're not going to be allowed to continue to kidnap and exploit the people around them, and they're also always really indignant when one of their guys gets killed by the people who are they are courting as enemies. Mm. So like they'll go out and murder like a bunch of people, and then one of their guys will die in that fight, and they'll be like, "God, they killed one of our guys. We cannot let this slide." And it's like it's your fault. You <laughs> did this. <laughs> Um, it's fantastic. It's one of the one of the earlier wacky Shaw Brothers films, and it's I, great fun. I love that stuff. That's fantastic. My next recommendation. My, sorry, my notes just say kidnap, comma shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a lot from just those two words. That's great. Um, yeah, my next recommendation is one that I would say ninety eight percent of you will have already seen, but for the two percent, I recently revisited the good, the bad, and the ugly. From 1966, is it 1966? That is crazy. And yeah, I'm I'm often surprised by the films that people haven't seen um, who kind of interact with us about this podcast because um, we go spots. we go kind of deep exactly we go deep level deep cuts with our recommendations. But every now and then, I do feel I need to highlight a film that I absolutely adore more than life itself. And the good, the bad, and the ugly is one of those films. And so, if there's anyone out there who hasn't seen it, it is the perfect film. It is the pinnacle of cinema though you know once upon a time in the west is also quite good um but yeah i just i love this film so much uh, i watched it uh, at a very early age um my beloved stepdad showed it to me and uh it, it's a film that means a lot to me basically so um yes the good the bad and the ugly from 1966 a treat a treat right extra features extra features extra features i've got an amazing extra feature well wow, okay do it's- you have anything I, gonna... I don't. Okay. I mean, I am talking to Ray Fiennes tomorrow, but that's tomorrow, so... Can you, can you think... promise us something from that? No. No? It's right. too late. All right, well, in that case, I've got, for extra features, I've got some terrible, terrible podcasting, because Ooh. this is not something that works well as podcasting, but I've decided to do it and I'm committed to it. But here is the noise of Sam being given some presents. Wow. My, <laughs> oh, I do like presents. So uh, from, from back home in the, in the past times, uh, I had a friend, uh, have a friend, but from then, uh, called Christian Francis. Christian was uh, a, a, one of my earliest film friends, mm. someone I watched movies with. And we've parted ways over the years. We've, you know, he doesn't live in London, so I don't see him because mm. that's how I live my life. Mm-hmm. But he is, uh, he cut the Cabal cut of Nightbreed. Oh, amazing. And he works with Clive. Oh, wow. He, um, he sort of runs some, some stuff for mm. Clive. Uh, but he also has his own like horror stuff shop, mm-hmm. uh, which I was like, I'm going to give this, is this your, this is your shop. Can I give this a shout out? And he's like, no, 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 that's not why I did it. It's just, I thought you'd like this stuff. Mm. I'm like, no, I'm obviously, I'm going to give it a shout out. But for now, here is a very long bit of audio of me giving Sam lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> so he can describe them to Holy you. fuck. As we go. So first off is this t-shirt. 
God, right. Bear uh, in mind that I also have all this stuff. You yes. sent us two of everything. Oh, that's amazing. So. <laughs> this is incredibly kind. So, yeah, uh, so Sam is unwrapping oh, wow. a Miskatonic University that T-shirt. That is amazing. That is beautiful. And to go with it. Holy shit, it's a, a beautiful <laughs> pinhead patch. Um, I'm so sorry, dear Arrowhead, that you can't see it, but who knows, yeah, this might like go I on to rush, Twitter. rush through this as a, a bag. Oh, uh, we've got drawings cool on it. Fuck. Yeah, it gets cooler. This, this is all going to go onto Twitter um, the yeah, day we'll this goes up. Yeah, we'll take pictures of all this so, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you'll be able to well, Mostly because I'm going to be linking to Christian's shop. Unwrap, unwrap. We have some Candyman-themed oh Valentine's Day cards. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> so good. If only someone loved me. <laughs> we have two anthology books of oh Hellraiser comics and art. God. <laughs> Oh my god! And oh, that is beautiful. This, I, I hope everyone, everyone out there who has swag that they can send us feels like this is a precedent being set. Oh, a hundred percent. Now, I mean, look at the reaction you, you get. Ready, are you ready for the rapid fire? Yes, I am. Okay, this. Boom! Oh my god, that is cool. These are all pin badges. Oh wow. Oh wow! This is uh, sorry. I should be I should be saying what these are. So I've got uh, in, in the mouth of madness. Do you read Sutter Kane badge? I've got an OCP badge. I've got a, a Candyman B badge. <laughs> I've got a, a, a Halloween knife pumpkin pumpkin badge. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I've got the thing badge. These are it, this is so generous. It's unbelievably generous of him. It's stunning. And, and like I said, he said, "Don't you don't need to worry about doing the shout out." But Sam, would you please read that Etsy store? Of course, of it's uh, horrormarketplace.etsy.com, and I'm reading that off an incredible "Do you read Sutter Kane badge, which is my new pin. Sorry, this is my new favorite thing. These are all pins, by the way, not badges. I say badges because I'm old-fashioned like that, but I know that you young people like pins. Um, it's so it's a pin. American worth of badge, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But um, thank you so much. That's so those just... are all from Christian. So Thank you, Christian. That is so generous. Um, wow, amazing. What yeah, a, there you go. What bad podcasting, but a nice <laughs> moment for me. So hopefully, dear sweet Arrowhead, you're going to share in the joy that, that has just been brought to, to my life. Yeah, absolutely. Right, I think that's it. <laughs> I really should have gotten a, a Ray Fiennes clip to take the edge off um, <laughs> uh, the self-indulgence. If you have but one, it's here. Wasn't that good? good right, right, good. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. And we... Oh, actually, let me just say... Uh, the, the Ray Fiennes clip, just in case we run it, is related to his film The White Crow, which is out either this week or next week, depending on when this goes up. This I have goes no out idea. this coming Monday. Oh, yeah, so I think it's out this week. I think it's out on the 19th. Who knows? Look it up. That's what the internet's for. Um, but <laughs> it's out. the internet works. You're doing a You're, you're, you're doing a it right you're now. Okay, good. Um, thank you so much for listening. And we promise to be more professional next time. Well, if, that's, stab at it. if that's even possible. <laughs> um, bye-bye. Bye.